We're going to read the Bible together just now from Proverbs chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, please do turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7. It's page 640 in the Red Bible in the pew. We're going to read the whole chapter. We've been looking at Proverbs together all weekend with the young people, and Trevor's going to finish off by looking at this part of God's word together this evening. Proverbs chapter 7, and we'll read from verse 1. And as we read, let's remember this is the word of God, so we can trust it completely. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsman. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, As the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant, her feet never stay at home, now in the street, now in the squares, and at every corner she she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, I have fellowship offerings at home, today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He is long gone. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Amen. We thank God for his word. Really is a joy to be here uh, today. I bring the the, uh, blessings of uh, all souls to you. It's a Please pray for us at All Souls with big days ahead. We've, uh, our uh, rector is, is leaving, uh, he's, he's retiring in May, so uh, we're on the hunt for a new uh, senior pastor. So pray for us, because we desperately want the right man. Um, so please, if you can pray for us, that'd be great. I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to look into God's word. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We sit under it 
We love your word because it's your voice speaking to us. So I pray, dear God, that everything I say would reflect the beauty of your word and your character. In Jesus' name. Amen. If I was to ask you uh, what's the most offensive thing you could say to someone, or what's the most offensive thing someone could say to you, I wonder what you would say. I remember once when I was nine or ten, I was walking back from my grounds with my two sisters, I've got a twin sister and an older sister, and I said something to my older sister which was very offensive. She gave me such a clout that she knocked me into next week. And from that day, I have never, ever said that word ever again. In the Bible, one of the most offensive words that you could say to someone is the word fool. Just listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5.22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, is in the danger of the fire of hell. Yet Proverbs seems to use the word all the time. And when we turn to Jesus, we see him call people fools or foolish seven times. According to the Lord Jesus, you are foolish If you refuse to build your life upon his words, he says in Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. According to Jesus, you're a fool if you live for this world instead of the next. Listen to what he says in Luke 12. But God said to him when he tells a parable, you fool, this very night... Your life will be demanded from you. Then he will get what was prepared for you. So Proverbs is not afraid of calling someone a fool, and nor is the Lord Jesus. The question, I suppose, is can I? Can you? The talk today is entitled The Character of the Fool. Your young people have just had three talks on the character of the wise. So I thought it was appropriate to finish with the character of the fool. And if I'm going to explain the character of the fool, two things must be in place, otherwise I'm in the dangers, danger of going to hell. Firstly, everything I must say, everything I say today, must be in line with God's word, must be in line with the book of Proverbs. Secondly, everything I say must be in line with what the Lord Jesus says. Only God's word and God's son have the right to call someone a fool. Our job today is to make sure that everything that's said corresponds with God's word and God's son. So here's the first heading. The fool has an open heart. The young people this weekend have been looking and learning that Lady Wisdom, if you you read the book of Proverbs, I encourage you to go home all this week to read chapters 1 to 9. And what you see is there's two ladies. Both of them go to the most prominent place and both of them want to win, first of all, someone's ears and then their heart. There's Lady Wisdom and there's Lady Folly. There's two voices, there's two paths, they're calling you down the path, a way of living, and then there's two destinations, life and death. Now when Proverbs speaks of life and death, it's not talking about eternity, it's talking about now. 
you follow Lady Wisdom, then you have a life full of life. You'll give life to others. If you follow, if you follow Lady Folly, then you have a life that's full of death. It's talking about now, it's the nitty gritty of life. It should not surprise us that uh, Lady Wisdom's passion is for those who follow her to be wise, to be discerning against all that Lady Folly has to say. But Lady Folly's passion is to disrupt all of the work of Lady Wisdom. Now, what the young people learned this morning was that Lady Wisdom has a gym. She wants to train your heart. Now, Proverbs 4 says we're to guard our heart. Now, when the Bible speaks of heart, it doesn't mean the the muscle in our body. It means the decision-making center. It means the decision part of us to decide which voice we're going to listen to, Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly. It's the decision-making center that decides our priorities. It's the decision-making center that controls our desires, shapes our desires, educates our desires. Now, Proverbs says either that control center is either governed by the voice of Lady Folly or it's governed by the voice of, of Lady Wisdom. It will be one or the other. It will be in your life. And if you read chapters 1 to 8, you'll see that one of the dominant themes is listening. You either listen to Lady Folly or listen to Lady Wisdom. Listening is an absolutely dominant theme. Therefore, you will be having your life shaped by one or the other. Listening in Proverbs, when the Lord Jesus comes, he says, repent and believe the good news. In, in Proverbs, repentance is listening. So when you look at Proverbs 1, 20, 23, it says, repent and listen to me. So the way that you become a Christian in Proverbs is you repent of listening to Lady Folly, and then you begin to listen to Lady Wisdom. That's repentance in Proverbs. And what you've got to get is repentance isn't a one-off thing. Nowhere in the Bible is repentance a one-off thing. Repentance is something that you begin your Christian life with, and you, you, it's, it's the flavor of the whole of your Christian life. So even when you choose to listen to Lady Wisdom, that you're still, there's still going to be times where you are affected and controlled by, by, by Lady Folly. And what do you have to do? You have to repent. When you act like a fool, you repent. So as a Christian, your whole life is a life of repentance. I'll never forget a, uh, a great uh, Presbyterian minister came to a big gathering in London called the Evangelical Ministers' Assembly, Tim Keller. And it was just about the time where a book had been written by a famous youth, it was a youth pastor, a guy called Steve Chalk. He'd written a book really denying the most fundamental truths of the cross. So they asked Tim Keller to come and speak on what is an evangelical. So if you can imagine a, a church full, crammed, packed with about 800 ministers, and up stands Tim Keller. Now I think what most of the ministers were hoping and expecting was he was going to give a brilliant exposition of penal substitution, what the cross really means. And everyone's kind of with their notepads, listening to this great, brilliant mind. He's going to tell us. He's going to kick Steve Chalk into touch. 
It was brilliant what he did. He said, what is it that defines, what is it that defines an evangelical? He says, what, is, what defines an evangelical is that they are people who constantly repent. He said, you want me to draw the line, don't you? This is an evangelical and this isn't. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you, are you someone who's regularly repenting? Then he gave the theology of repentance. It was absolutely brilliant. Call everybody, everybody offside. It was masterful. Now, let's get back to the heart of the fool, the character of the fool. You see, Lady Wisdom has a gym. She wants to bring you in and she wants to train your heart. There's four arteries. There's the, there's the ear. That's the first one she works on. And then the mouth, because what you listen to controls your mouth. Then she wants to control it. Then she wants to look at your eyes. And then she wants to look at your feet. Now, Lady Folly, she also has a gym. And she wants to train those who follow to have an open heart, to be open to all that she says. Her plan is to follow the serpent's example in the Garden of Eden. You see, Lady Folly knows that she has to be cunning. She has to be calculated. She has to be astute. Like the serpent, she wants to make her prey feel as if they are in control of their destiny. As if they are in control of their heart, the decision-making part of them. You know, remember the classic... Proverbs chapter 3. Please turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. See, what Lady Folly does is she skillfully swaps key words around. Just turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. She swaps trust in the Lord with all your heart with trust in yourself with all your heart. She She swaps, do not lean on your own understanding to always lean on your own understanding. She swaps, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight to, in all your ways, be true to yourself so that you alone can make your path straight. She swaps, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil with, be wise in your own eyes. Choose your own truth. Choose your own morality for that's the way to freedom. She does it seamlessly just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Her prey think they are in control of their heart, as everything seems so right. Just listen to Proverbs 4, verse 12. There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. She can't always hide the smell of death, but she certainly does her very best. So first of all, the first point is the fool has an open heart. The second is the fool has open ears. Once inside the heart, she then seeks to control all the arteries, and the first is the ear. Just read with me. Turn now back to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 30, and we'll quickly see the kind of heart attitude that Lady Folly hungers to develop. And how that affects a person's ears. Look, just turn back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Let me just read these verses slowly and carefully. And as we do, just think, what's it saying about our ears? Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises a voice in the public square at the head of 
the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateway of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand. Since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, turn, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will, they will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the wavingness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and will be at ease without fear. Just look, just look again, just ponder. Look at verse 24. What is the fool marked by? They refuse to listen to the call for wisdom. Verse 24, they pay no attention to wisdom's offer. Verse 25, they disregard her advice. Verse 25, they do not accept her rebuke. Verse 29, they hate knowledge. Verse 29, they choose not to fear the Lord. Verse 30, they would not accept her advice. They spurned her every rebuke. Now, I reckon some of you are thinking to yourself, Trev, mate, it's, it's just a little harsh, isn't it? I mean, those verses, they just, they just feel a little bit harsh, mate. Slightly over the top. You know, my friends at school and at work, I mean, they're just indifferent, really. When it comes to Christian things, God's voice, Lady Wisdom's voice, it's just... They, God's voice is just an irrelevance. It's not even on the radar, mate. Well, if you're, if you're thinking like that and you think your friends are like that, then do you know what? I think I'd agree with you. Christian things aren't on the radar. Now, I don't know if Northern Ireland's different to London, but Christian things are not on the radar of most people's thinking. It's, Christianity is an irrelevance or dangerous You see, if your friends think like that, then I would agree with you. But what it surely proves is the huge influence that Lady Folly's voice has actually had on them. If your friends think like that, it shows the influence that Lady Folly has had. She's blocked up their ears to such an extent that refusing to listen, paying no attention, disregarding, choosing not to listen, become your friend's instant and natural reaction. When they hear anything which points to God being God, they instantly shut down. But every now and then, some of ladies' wisdom's words sneak through. In your class or at work, maybe an ethical debate begins and you have a natural opportunity to share God's word. You're chatting with a friend at lunch or on the, on the bus on the way home. Naturally, your faith comes up and you begin to share what God says in the Bible. You naturally begin to share some of what you hear on a Sunday or on a Friday or on a Saturday at youth. What you're being taught. Just maybe it's about the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus. His brilliance. That he's the only way to heaven. 
And your friend really does understand what you're saying. They totally get what you're saying. And they're utterly offended. They may have a Muslim friend. They understand completely the implications of what you're saying. Well, maybe the topic, maybe the topic comes up, um, maybe with a young person as to where they're going to university, or maybe you, know, you start chatting with your friends about where you hope your young person is going off to uni. The problem is they get an offer from a uni, and uh, it's a brilliant course. It's, if you're a young person, it's a course you just really want to do. It's a subject and it's a course you want to do. And as a parent, you see that it's a course that your child wants to do. The only problem, and it's a serious problem, is if your child goes to that university, there's no church for miles around. Therefore, if they go there, there's every good chance that their spiritual life will really suffer because there's no church. So instead, you make a decision as a family to choose a uni which is not so good and a course that's not exactly what you want to do, but there are a couple of really good churches so you know that you'll spiritually thrive if you go there. Your mates or the other parents can't believe what you're saying. They think you are mad. Surely you want your child to fulfill their potential, don't you? That's the parent's job, isn't it? To make sure your child fulfills its potential. And you're getting in the way of that. Your teachers hear about it and do everything they possibly can to persuade you out of this crazy choice. You are trusting in the Lord and submitting to him in all your ways because you're putting the spiritual walk of your child above their education. You're trusting in the Lord. You're submitting to him. When it comes to there being only one way to God, when it comes to putting your spiritual growth over academic, your academic one, people think you're mad and that you should refuse to do that. They think that you should pay no attention to that kind of thinking. Don't accept it. See all the words that come in Proverbs chapter 1? But you say you're listening to God and you want to put his word first. Your teachers think you are a fool. They won't say that because they're too polite. But you know they think it. And the other parents think you should spurn such thinking. Don't accept it, is the advice you get from the teachers and from your peers. You see, if you just scratch a little bit below the surface, it's not hard to see how people's hearts have been won by the words of Lady Folly. It's not too hard, is it, to see how often ours are as well, is it? Secondly, the fool has an open mouth. The second archery is the mouth. Again, it's good to... Listen to the words of Jesus. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. We looked at this with the young people this morning. Here is Jesus in full flow, preaching. What, it, what that must have been like. Wow. A lion preaching with the gentleness of a lamb. 6, 
verse 45. Let's listen to the Lord Jesus when he talks about the mouth. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. See, if your heart dances to the tune of Lady Folly, then according to Jesus' word, words, your words will reflect that. With God out of the picture, the map of your life is down for you to create. You trust in yourself, you lean on your own understanding, and you make your own path through life. Having rejected all, the wise, having rejected all that the wise creator says when he speaks, it's your wisdom that you want to share. Just listen to Proverbs 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. The wise person learns to speak words that only bring, that, 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 that please a loving and kind God. They will fail, but listening to God is always their aim, whereas the fool is controlled, on the whole, by the immediate circumstances. A person who rejects God's wisdom will often only have the present circumstances and what they feel in their heart to guide them. So, if somebody blocks their goal, they want to achieve something, but somebody is in the way, then they get the full vent of their words. So, you're a young person, and you're on your computer, and you're just at a point in the game where you've never been before, and then you hear a voice down the stairs saying, dinner's ready, and you hear it about four times, and then your mum, in the end, pops her head round the door. Proverbs 12, verse 16. Fools show their annoyance at once. Or maybe it's your brother or sister. Or maybe it's your wife or your husband. And they know just what buttons to push which arouse your temper and make you angry. I can see the honest ones of you smiling at me. Others are just... Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Or maybe it's at school or at work where there's a bit of banter. I love banter. And most of the time it's harmless at work or at school. But occasionally, occasionally at other times, Words are said that wound other people, especially the person that doesn't quite fit in. They're the easy target, if you like. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, if you're acting like that, and you're calling yourself a Christian, you're listening to Lady Folly. You need to repent. You need to repent. If Jesus is king of your heart, your words will reflect that. Now, James would say, the tongue is the most 
hardest muscle to control. What does James say? The tongue is a world of evil, full of deadly poison. That's why in Proverbs, if you look at the end of chapter 4, it's brilliant because it links the ear to the mouth. Just turn back to there. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 4 and you can have a little bit look at what we were looking at with the young people this morning. Just turn to Proverbs 4. It's brilliant how it links ear to mouth. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Everybody got that? My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. Put away. Can you see? Now it's talking about, now it's talking about your, your, your words. It's talked about your ear, ear artery. Now it talks about the words. Put, a, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So if you want to control, if you want to control your mouth, you've got to control your ears. You've got to control what comes in here if you're going to control what goes out there. You've got to, you've got, you've got to ask yourself regularly. Ask, look in the mirror every morning and ask yourself, who is dominant in my heart? Is it Lady Wisdom, the wonderful Lord Jesus, or is it Lady Folly? Next, the fool has open eyes and straying feet. The last two arteries to go together, the eyes and the feet, just as the ears and the mouth go together. And let's remember again the words of the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus' message is clear. Your eyes... And again, this is what we taught the young people this morning. Your eyes are the window to your heart. So you will either let in darkness or you'll let in light. So you have the decision-making center of you. The question is, what are you letting in? Are you letting in darkness through your eyes into the decision-making center or are you letting in light? Now, what we taught them this morning, what the wise person does is they learn, if you can picture your heart, decision-making center, massive window, that's your eyes, what the wise choose to, what the wise learn to do, learn, they make mistakes, but they're learning, the big mark, difference between a fool and and a wise person is a wise person looks at the mess they make, looks at the mistakes they make, and they, they learn the lesson. They keep learning. They learn that this pattern of behavior is so entrenched in me, it's sin. Okay, I've got to unpick that, and I've got to develop new habits, holy habits, which are different to that. And, and that's going to take a long time, but that's what I'm committed to. I'm learning from the my mistake, and I'm committed to new patterns of holiness. Whereas the fool never learns. It's a major difference between the, between the fool and the wise man. Whereas the wise person learns to pull down the blind so that if there's darkness coming in, they pull down the light, they pull down the blind. 
It becomes second nature. But the fool, who guides the fool? If the window of the heart is not guarded, then Lady Folly controls the desires within, and then it's wide open to anyone and everything. We see that in the, in, in the, in the, in the chapter that uh, Peter read to us. Just turn back to it, and we're just going to see it quickly. Just, look, just turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Now, the image here is a sexual one, but the meaning goes much deeper than that. Just look, ask your question. When does Lady Folly appear? When does she appear? Think of Jesus' words about the heart being full of darkness. Look at verse 9. When does she appear? She appears at darkness, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. She brilliantly uses all the senses to capture her prey. 7 verse 13, her eyes. 7 13 and 16, her ears. 7 21, smell. 7 18, sensual. And because the fool is wise in their eyes, they do not, sorry, because the fool is not wise in their own eyes, sorry, because the fool is wise in their own eyes, They do not see what's awaiting them. See, the fool is wise in his own eyes. Wisdom is held within the fool. He never looks for wisdom outside of himself. Revelation from God, it's all within. And because of that, what does he not see? What does she not see? He doesn't see the slaughterhouse that he's walking towards. Verse 22. He doesn't see the noose that he's stepping into, verse 22. He doesn't see the arrow that will soon pierce his liver, verse 23. He doesn't see the grave that he will soon fall into, verse 27. If you hate God's knowledge, if you spurn every rebuke from the lips of the God who loves you, the window of your heart is wide open. And therefore your desires are exposed. Think of all the ways into the window of your heart. All the ways your desires can be fed with darkness instead of light. Are you bothered about them? Are you learning to guard them, protect them? You know, it's tough, tough, tough for young people today. I was talking to the young people this morning about the power of the phone. I was talking about a young person who I, met, I gave an illustration of pornography in one talk, and, and one of the young people came up to me and said, Trevor, I have a huge problem with pornography. I said, oh, let's chat, let's talk about that. It's a huge problem. When I was their age, if you wanted to get pornography, you had, to, you had so many things, you had so many barriers you had to go over you had to go into a shop you had to pick something off the top rail you had to buy it so many things that would stop you doing it and that was good for young people today it's just a click on on their phone very tough the window of your heart so much darkness can come in from so many different angles 
the wise person, what I, what, what I said to this young person, I said, like, okay, you know, you're not the only one who'll be struggling. Mostly the young lads will be struggling here with that. So I said to the young people, let's, let's start reading the book. We started reading a brilliant book by Tim Chester called Captured by a Better Vision. Superb book. I said to him, you know, where's the struggle? He said, Trevor, I have a, I have a, um, a television in every room in, onto the internet. There's nowhere I can't go. But his biggest problem was, was his phone. So I thought, how do I... He was from an Asian family, a shame culture. I thought, you know, how am I going to kind of give the nudge to his dad without saying his son's got a problem? So I just made it public that we were doing this book, and if any of the kids wanted to come, I said it to his dad. His dad knew exactly what I was saying without me saying it. We're good at that, British, aren't we? We say, you know, we know what we're saying without us saying it. The next week, the lad came... And he didn't have his smartphone. He had, a, he had a brick. I thought, that's a dad that's looking after his son. That's a young man of 15, 16 that is gouging out his eye because he wants to be holy. Now, I'm not so naive to think that phones are just a problem for the young people. My mother-in-law... Um, He's 74 today. She's on the phone all the time. The wise learn to pull down the shutter. I just want to finish with three quick, very simple points, and it's this. When you speak to a fool, remember these things. How do you speak to... How does a wise person speak to someone who's under the spell of lady folly? Three simple things I want you to remember. So when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, and you want to win your friends who don't love Jesus, three things to remember. Number one, remember your history. You're only wise because God gave you life. Ephesians 2 verse 5. You're only wise because of God's grace. Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Thursday, I was, at, I was at a family funeral of my cousin. It was, I was probably, I probably think, unless I don't, you know, I didn't know most of the people there, but I was assuming I was probably the only Christian there. And the funeral was packed. And as I looked at all these people, <clears throat> I knew what would, you know, what would happen afterwards. We'd go straight down the pub and you know, alcohol would be, would be uh, moving freely. And you know, it's just, we, we drink to remember. People who don't love Jesus drink to forget. And as I looked at them, I, I, you know, I was right at the back and I just thought, if my saviour was here now, what emotion would he have? Well, we know what emotion we'd have, don't we? We know that. Because when he looked down upon Jerusalem, what did he say? They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he wept over them. You know, I'm sure this is a church like all souls that preaches grace. And I'm sure you're a Christian like me who believes in grace. 
But grace is so hard to understand, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, we understand it, don't we? But living it is so hard. Because so often my default, my default position is to think I'm slightly better than somebody. Aren't you like that? You come to church, you have nice friends, got a good job, nice house, done well. And you see someone who doesn't have any of those things. Or someone who isn't a Christian and has a messed up life. They're a fool. Isn't there something sometimes in you that just kind of makes you think that you're slightly better than them? And when, when we do think like that, we're totally and utterly denying grace. When you read Mark 7 and Jesus describes what the human heart is like, I do wonder sometimes whether we really believe that. He's describing you and me. So the first thing to remember is your own history. If you're saved, it's totally down to grace. Secondly, when speaking to a fool, remember their heart. Learn from a non-Christian, but remember who rules their heart. So if you go off to university, there may be somebody who's brilliant in the subject that you're learning. Well, learn from them. But remember their hearts. Like snow in the summer or rain in the harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. So learn from them, but be careful. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. Be careful. Learn when to speak and when to remain silent. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you, you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or, you will be wise, or, or, or he will be wise in, in his own eyes. Learn when to speak and learn when to shut up. Learn to get used to people not listening to you. So when you go off to university, young people, and you have a passion to win your friends, I'm sure this congregation, as they have been faithfully praying this weekend, will be praying for you. And let's hope and pray that you see people saved through your you'll see you. But also remember that a fool's heart is hard. And Proverbs says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. So wise up. Be ready for disappointment. Long for fruit, and let's pray you see it. But live in the real world and realize that a fool's heart is very hard. And lastly, remember, remember to trust God. Realize that you were once spiritually dead. Realize that God can change even a fool's heart. Proverbs 27:22. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding them like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Well, do you know what? You won't. But Christ can. Christ can. What's the evidence of that? Well, I'm looking at lots of ex-fools right now. That's the evidence. And every day I look in the mirror, I look at an ex-fool. I thank God that he drove it out of my heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace to us. We... Anything good in us 
is either because it's a reflection of your image or it's a reflection of your grace. Father, help us to have big hearts towards those who are fools. Help us to pray for them, help us to love them, help us to speak to them. Give us wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name.